You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So I uh, spent the most of the past week with a bunch of uh, Lutheran pastors up in Estes Park. Uh, so in other words, I spent most of this week um, method acting the part of this week's gospel where the disciples are arguing about which one of them is the greatest. Uh, we pastors are seriously the worst when it comes to what we call social comparison and the competition that comes with it. Why did she tear the communion bread at that part in the liturgy? And did you hear the pastor voice on that guy? And just so we're clear, uh, these are just a couple of the snarky things that I said. But as I was winding down my rehearsal of this week's gospel, I got a text from one of my cousins who was camping near Denver, and she asked if she could come crash at my house for the night. I said, sure, no problem. But deep down, what I really wanted to say was, oh darn, I'm actually going to be out of town through Friday, not through Thursday, and we'll just miss each other. Having my cousin stay with me just for a night gave me a lot of anxiety, but I wasn't exactly sure why. I mean, maybe it had something to do with the fact that she's 15 years younger than me, and so I still think of her as a child. And maybe more to the point, it had something to do with a memory involving her that I have seared into my mind. It was from the time of my life when I was just coming out of the closet, but I hadn't yet come out to my family, and I was living a life full of secrets. And so I wasn't exactly thrilled when at Christmas dinner that year, this cousin, who was five years old at the time, blurted out in front of the whole family. Reagan, are you gay and proud? <laughs> Which, by the way, was totally a thing people used to say in the, in the South. He's not just gay, he's gay and proud. <laughs> so here we were, my cousin and I, 20 years later, and perhaps the thing I was afraid of was that what happened 20 years earlier at Christmas dinner would happen again. That she might see through the defenses I hide behind now. And that I, mu and that I might once again lose whatever image of myself I'm still trying to project. Uh, which is what I imagine the disciples were feeling that day when Jesus had to go and mess everything up when he took up a child in his arms and said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. I mean, Jesus was totally annoying like that, because 
just as the disciples start building up their defenses, just as they start trash-talking, trying to one-up each other, here comes Jesus with a messy, most likely dirty, loud, socially uninhibited child, and all the work the disciples put into building up their image falls apart. I mean, Jesus is like, hey guys, this is uh, little Johnny. Uh, Care to continue your trash-talking now? I mean, if the disciples weren't already done with their conversation, I think they were now. Because, let's face it, children can be scary to adults. Children can see through the armor that we build up around us. Because kids, they just, they just don't get how we need our secrets. They don't see how necessary we feel it is to play our adult version of hide-and-go-seek. Like, that we could never tell our friends that we're, we're just too overwhelmed to hang out today, and so we, we have to make up a story about being sick. Or that the only way to get through Thanksgiving with the family is to just not mention your new boyfriend because... Well, he happens to be a Republican. Or that you have to hide your depression from social services if you hope to adopt the child you've been fostering. I mean, it's as if kids actually think that life is is something else besides just a, you know, tedious, exhausting, juggling act of two truths and a lie. And so they come barreling through, firing off awkward questions like, Reagan, are you gay and proud? And our whole juggling act just comes crashing down. Kids, they just mess everything up. And so I I have to imagine that the kid in Jesus' arms that... She wasn't some Norman Rockwell painting of a kid, all angelic, gazing up innocently at Jesus. Instead, as the disciples argue about who is the greatest, I can just see that kid shouting out like, Hey, Peter, why'd you explode on your kid in the parking lot yesterday? And, John, I didn't think your wife had blonde hair. I mean, kids, they just don't give a damn. So regardless of what that kid said or didn't say that day, just the mere presence of a child can begin to erode the walls that we create in order to construct a a tidy image of ourselves. Images that we then use to one-up each other. But as I continued to think about this week's Gospels, I needed Jesus to be saying more than kids are blabbermouths, even though they are. I needed to hear more than the wisdom that children have a lot to teach us adults, though they definitely do. I needed to hear Jesus say what I actually hear him saying, which is not simply that kids can poke (coughs) holes, excuse me, that kids can poke holes in our armor, but that Jesus does. I needed to hear that within us all 
is the voice of a messy toddler who steamrolls over the facades we create and that that childlike voice is the voice of God. And that that cranky, obnoxious toddler within us was put there in order to set us free. To free us from having to live as caricatures of ourselves so that we can relate to each other as the sometimes bratty, sometimes really emotional, and always needy children of God that we really are. And that it's okay that deep down we are really just overgrown children, because in a way, God is too. Because God comes to us not like an adult with all our defenses and concern for self-image, and more like a child who just doesn't give a damn, who just doesn't care about the image that we project, because God cares about who we actually are, and God wants to set us free. But it can be hard some days, some days even seemingly impossible, to hear the voice of the child within me because I so often default to thinking life is a competition that in order to get ahead, I have to one-up everybody else. And when I'm constantly ranking myself and everybody else, I need all the points I can get. I can't afford to be vulnerable and let someone else beat me to the finish line. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a gut punch of an article written in the Atlantic called Why Do We Compete? And it cites a study by the Harvard School of Public Health that found that the majority of people say that they would prefer to live in a world where the average salary was $25,000 and they earned $50,000 than one where they earned 100000 but the average was 200000 This study and many others just like it reveal this tendency inside us to care more about relative wealth than actual wealth, to favor being perceived as better as opposed to actually being better off. Social scientists and biologists, they reason that the dangers of primitive human society are what led us to care most about being ahead of the pack or being perceived as at the head of the pack. Because you don't actually have to outrun the lion, you just have to run faster than the person behind you. And even though the days are long gone for most of us when we are uh, running from lions... We've held on to this fear that if we're not first, we won't survive. <coughs> and so we compete with each other. In our jobs, our bank accounts at school, and even in our own homes. We compete for relative prestige. And in order to win in this competition, we hide the most vulnerable parts of ourselves. Of course, there are still real dangers out there. It's not always safe to live every part of us out loud, especially for women and minorities and queer folk. But it's also true, at least for myself, that, that I live defensively long after the need for protection has passed. 
Hiding becomes a way of life where I'm not only running from lions, I'm running from you and from myself. After my cousin left my house Friday morning, it hit me that she is the only relative outside my immediate family who has ever been to my house. And not just my house here in Denver, I've been here three and a half years, but any house I have ever lived in since leaving home at the age of 18. And there have been opportunities. I just never said yes until this week. And I'm so glad that I did. Because now I have someone else I can love. And someone who can love me. And not just as a photo on the refrigerator. But as a real person. Which is why God comes to us with the voice of a child. To pull us out from the shadows where we hide. To free us from all the ways we run from each other. And to bring our hearts out into the day where we can really be known. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks that you come to us with the voice of a child. We give you thanks that you are the God who comes bursting into our family dinners, our boardrooms, our churches, and our streets, shouting questions we don't want to ask. And we give you thanks that you are not found in all the ways that we rank each other and run from each other. But you are found in the meeting of our hearts. Our hearts set ablaze by your messy, fearless, bull in a china closet, childlike love. Amen. You have been listening to the Sermon Podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.